This week on Crossing the Lane Lines. Black people have many excuses why they don't swim. Hair issues. Body type. Bone density. Parents never learned. Chlorine burns the eyes. And many more. But who in their right mind walks around in, eats, sleeps, and bathes with a life vest on? We'll speak to filmmaker Ed Akira about his acclaimed film on the subject of black cultural issues with swimming and the Black Swimming Association. Stay tuned. In San Francisco, this is Najee Ali, and you're listening to Crossing the Lane Lines. The reasons, or rather assumptions, are lesion. Too muscle-bound. Hair issues. Different bone structure. Parents don't know. It's expensive, too cold, too hot, and my personal favorite, chlorine burns our eyes and makes our skin ashy. But all of these are excuses, not reasons, for why many black people still don't swim. And although many in the black community have given their excuses as to why they don't swim, no one has ever gone as far as the protagonist in the film, Blacks Can't Swim, My Swim Journey. In the film, Frank, played by today's guest, is a black man living in London who's so aquaphobic that he walks around, sleeps, eats, and watches television with a life vest on, constantly worrying about the possibility of drowning. The producer, writer, and star of this critically acclaimed film is Ed Akira, hip-hop artist, filmmaker, and co-founder of the Black Swimming Association. Ed Akira, welcome to Crossing the Lane Lines. Thank you, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So you know all those uh, those excuses that you mentioned a few a few seconds ago. Right. I think I've used every single one of them, <laughs> and, and 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 any of them that I didn't. Um, well, I I think I probably I probably invented many of them. <laughs> so all my life I've just been using them, and I, you know it's easier to hide behind the stereotypes than to learn how to swim, and that's how I saw it. Well, Ed, well, why don't we keep on going with that? Where did the idea come from for you to make this film? Okay, um, how long do we have? So let, me, let me just give you the shorter version of this. So 2018, August, me and my family, my wife and my nine-year-old daughter, she was seven at the time, went on holiday to Barbados. And we went with a few friends. So there's about 12 of us that went, um, a few of them, are, a few of my friends are from Barbados. Um, so we've been there a couple of times. So I don't drink and I don't swim. So when people are sitting around the pool on the beach, I get bored from time to time. So I decided that what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take my laptop with me and I'm gonna start working on a new music project. So that was the plan anyway. So I get to Barbados, I've got a brand new laptop, I plug it in, and it does not work. It does not work. And I tried everything, everything under the sun to try and um, get it to work. And it's just not working. Um, I tried a new power adapter. Um, uh, it just doesn't work. So I, uh, so I, so I said to myself, okay, um, I need to find something else to do. I need to read a book or something. And it's and, and it's, it's it's getting to a point where it's about and I'm getting frustrated about it. I said, what should I do? 
Then one of, one of our friends said to us, oh, well, I'm planning on a, um, a journey. I'm planning on a boat trip. Do you want to come? Um, my wife said, yeah, but she's definitely going. Um, my daughter said yes. And all the other friends said yes. Uh, normally, I would have said no. And I, I, I would have walked away from because I don't have no relationship with water. So why would I go on a boat trip? But because my laptop was not working and I couldn't um, make um, work on the, the production I, I aimed to, I decided to go ahead. So I went on the trip. Well, as soon as I got onto the boat on the catamaran, they gave us all the life jackets. And um, so everybody wore the life jacket until the boat still started moving. And there was other people, and there's probably about 40 or 50 other people on there. And as soon as the boat started moving, everyone took their life jacket off. But I kept mine on. I can't swim. I, I gotta stay protected. And then one of my friends said, "Look, take a picture of you in your life jacket. You could use it on your next album cover or something like that." And I was like, in my head, I was like, "Why would I make a sort? Why would I use a picture of a life jacket, be a life jacket on an album cover or single cover, unless the song was something to do with swimming?" So right about that time, it went through my mind that you know the the whole the whole that film from a few no. Quite, quite, quite a while back, um, White Men Can't Jump. I said, somebody should make a film about black people not swimming. So <laughs> someone should make a film. So then I started writing the lyrics, make a film called Blacks Can't Swim, soundtrack in a new jacked wing, cast a lead in a floating ring. Is it a cultural or physical thing? So that, was a, that ended up being a chorus of the song. So um, I did that, everyone was, Jumping in the water, snorkeling, diving, doing all the usual thing that they do, and I was just sitting on the, sitting on the boat like a lemon. Um, <laughs> and I, I started writing the lyrics to the song. So I, yeah, so I come back to the hotel. Um, yeah, holiday continues. I didn't even touch my laptop that day. The next day, I said, "Oh, let me just give it a try." So I touched the lap. I put the laptop. I press the on button. Press the power button. And guess what? On it comes. It just started working. I didn't change anything. It just started working. So it's like, I was like, wow. So I, uh, long story short, I recorded the song, came back to the UK. So right, I think it's now August, September uh, 2018. And I put the song out and I, and I called it um, a film called Black Sky and Swim. Um, I put the song out, then I get, I put it on YouTube, iTunes, the usual places. Then I get a, an email from a company called Swimming Nature. And they're a swimming, a swimming school, swimming organization, and they teach mainly the elite swimmers um, within the UK. And they said, um, we want to teach you how to swim. We heard your song. We want to teach you how to swim. And we want to teach you how to swim for free. And I'm like, okay. Now, I'm in London. I live in London. If anybody says they're going to give you something for free, the first thing you're like, mm, what does this person want? What's the catch? Where is the catch? <laughs> and, you know, cynical as they come. And so they said, no, no. We, we, the, only, the, the, the only reason why we want to teach you how to swim is because of the verse, the, sorry, the chorus of the song where you said it is a cultural or physical thing. We know that it's definitely a cultural thing and not a physical thing. And we are aware of the issue of a disproportionate amount of black people that do not swim. But because of the sensitivity, we are a white organization. It would be very, very difficult for us to start talking about it. But since you're talking about it, we want to prove to the world that 
it's not a physical thing, it's a cultural thing. So I said, yeah, fair enough. Let's go. And at that time, right about the same time, another friend of mine said, why don't you, you you're talking about, you've made a song about someone been making a film, why don't you make the film? And I'm like, make a film? Where do I start? I don't even know anything about making a film. But obviously I've made music videos or, or I've, I've had music videos done for me and produced for me. So I went to one of the guys that I've worked with on many of my music videos and I said, I want to make a film. And I, he said, you want to make a film? How, I mean, he started asking me all these questions, you know, all these questions at the time which were so irrelevant to me. And I was like, I just want to make a film. You know, like what kind of grades is it? What kind of, is it going to be a feature film or is it going to be a short film? Is it going to be this, is it going to be that? And so I just want to make a film. So I had this idea that I will interview, I'll talk to people in the community about the issue of swimming and we just make a film out of it. So we did some brainstorming. Then he said, we, it's going to fit, the film is going to be no longer than 10 minutes. And I go, what kind of film is 10 minutes? I want a proper film. And he says, listen, it's going to be a bunch of unknown people having conversations. Uh, there's no celebrities. There's no one. There's, so people are going to find that boring. And no one's going to sit down and watch half an hour of that. So unless, of course, there's some drama around it, it will have to be a short film. So that's when I came up with the idea that I come upstairs, I came downstairs from my I wake up in the morning, come downstairs, sit in front of the television. And then on the news is someone talking about the issue with um, a drowning, a, a weather report stating that there's going to be so much rain, which is going to cause a lot of flooding and therefore drowning. And I panic because I can't swim. I decide to go and buy a life jacket and wear it everywhere I go. So did that, we wrote it, so yeah, we wrote that into the, so we, you know, performed, we wrote that into the film, but then we still were missing something, there was still something that we needed to hold everything together. Then I came up with the idea of Mr. Society. So this voice that's talking to me in my head, telling me that, reciting all the stereotypes, all the statements, saying that you can't swim, of course you can't swim, you're black, you don't need to swim, just wear the life jacket. And then I've got my friends and family on the other hand telling me that stop being an idiot. Everyone can swim as long as they learn to. So why don't you just learn to swim? So I'm stuck between these two forces. Mr. Society and my friends and, and family telling me, you know, to swim and Mr. Society telling me not to swim. And then what happens at the end of the film, whether I swim, whether I learn to swim or not. I was going to say that I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't watched the film. But then again, I'm saying that if you haven't watched the film already, then why not? So therefore, I will spoil it for you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, I come to reason and I do get into the water. But what a lot of people don't know is that the scene of me in the swimming pool at the end, which is the last part of the film, is the first time I ever went into water. Wow. Into the swimming pool. So... So um, I, I was doing an interview with um, Speedo. Speedo interviewed me and they said, and they asked me, so what was your first experience of getting into a pool like? And I said, stressful. Not only was I producing a film for the very first time, but I also have to get into the water as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the story of a film called Black Ground Swim. That's amazing. You know, Ed, when I was listening to you talk about the film, you mentioned Frank's nemesis. 
uh, Mr. Mm -hmm. Society, the boys in Frank's head, constantly reminding him that he can't swim. Can you talk a little bit more about how that character came out? Um, well, well, Mr. Society. So, 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 so basically, obviously, I'm, and I'll t and I'll and I'll go back to when I was um, young. So I, I I was born in the UK. Went to went to Ghana, where my my mum and dad are both from. When I was probably about yeah seven eight years old, and I was at uh, I was fortunate enough to go to a, an international school, a private international school. And the, the irony is that in my class in Ghana, West Africa, I was there was one of one of the only two. There were I think there were only two black people in our class. There were people from all over the world, mm. from India, Australia, America, the UK, everywhere, Germany. And one of my classmates at the time had a pool. So many of them had pools in their houses. And so he was having a party and a pool party or such. So I told my mom that, mom, I want to learn how to swim so I can go into the party, go to the park, go to the pool again, to the, um, I get, get into the pool when I get to the party. And my mom said to me, um, you don't need to learn how to swim. It's not important. Your, 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 it, what you need to do is study your maths, your, your English, your literature. That's what you need to spend time on, not swimming. We don't have a pool in our house and we don't live near the sea. We were inland, so why would you want to learn how to swim? You can do that any time in life. And as a result, I never did. I never learned. So the Miss Society, so <clears throat> the Miss Society, has been in my head <clears throat> all throughout my life. Probably not in that form, but it's that that has been in my head all my life. And and when I came back to the UK, I came back to the UK. I was about seventeen. Um, at that time, uh, there was no need for me to learn how to swim. It was, didn't even it didn't even feature anything that I did. But if I ever came into a situation whereby anybody asked me, "Can you swim?" I was like, "Of course I can't swim. I'm black." Because that that time I started hearing, I started seeing that a lot of black people do not swim, and I used it as a com a, a comfort um, to hide behind the stereotypes, hide behind the stigmas, hide behind the myths. Of course I can't swim. I I'm black. And so, yeah, so that's how, that's where Mr. Society, the whole idea came from. I've been living with it since, since, since I was a young child. You know, one thing I found as a common thread amongst those that you interviewed for the film for why black, black folk don't swim is culture. And the reason why I found it so fascinating is that black people have a very rich swimming history dating back to the 1440s. So I hear and in fact, um, where many of the interviewees, ancestors are from, like yourself, they're from mm -hmm. Ghana, a mm -hmm. place that was known to have the best canoe builders and the best canoeists. And in fact, a lot of people back during this time in Ghana would have their children begin swimming at ages as young as 11 months. The question I'm asking is this, do you feel that if black people knew more about our rich and deep aquatic history, they'd be more apt to learn to swim? No, <laughs> no, no, and no, and no, because the thing is that, and, I, and I'm just using myself as an example. There was, it took, it would have taken a lot more than that for me knowing that my, 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 my forefathers and the swam for me to get, you know, decide to learn how to swim. Mm -hmm. What made me learn how to swim was one single factor. And that was my daughter. 
So I said to myself that if I was ever in a situation, because my daughter can swim, um, my 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 wife's from parents are from India, so from she's, she's Indian descent, and she found she found it very 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 important. She, 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 to her, it was very important that my daughter learned how to swim at a very early age. So she started learning at the age of two or three. The irony was that I was the one taking her swimming lessons, but the thought of hair falling in water so you hear kids have a lot of accidents and maybe they're in a situation whereby they fall in water and they can't do anything about it if that ever happened and i was in front of my daughter i wouldn't have been able to do anything and that thought scared me so that was the single or shall i say the main the primary reason why i decided to learn how to swim not because of anything else and i've spoken to a lot of people i know a lot of people that don't swim you know, and it's like, I'm not, and, and I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm talking about black people. I know a lot more black people that don't swim than 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 that, those that do swim. And when I speak to them, even as a life skill, they are not bothered about learning how to swim. So I don't think anything about history would, you know, push them. It has to be something, you know, there has to be something. Um, but we're working on something with the BSA, and we'll talk about that in good time. Yeah. Well, actually, that's what we're going to be segueing into. Can, can you talk about the founding of the Black Swimming Association? And how is it promoting swimming in the UK? So um, the BSA, the Black Swimming Association, is the first organization of its kind um, that to highlight the issue with swimming within the Black community in the UK. And... To show to, to to highlight how much of an issue it is, 95% of black adults in England do not swim. 80% of black children in England do not swim. And these are statistics by um swim um our sports, one of our, one of our sports governing bodies, including Swimming England. I mean they've done the research and yeah, and this is the statistics that they they, they, are, they are quoting. One in four children leave school without knowing how to swim. Um, swimming is part of the curriculum in the UK. Um, there's three criterias, which is um, learning. You should be able to swim. Try, by the time you, you you leave primary school at the age of um, what, what, what time do you primary school at the age of nine, ten, eleven, eleven, eleven years old, you should be able to swim twenty-five meters. You should be able to perform two strokes. Uh, breaststrokes or, or you know, whatever to at least two kind of strokes and you should be able to perform a water safety test to get yourself out of a sticky situation um as an average the country's average which is uh, which is a a conservative figure only 70 percent of children are able to achieve this when they leave primary school so out of all the children only 75 percent of uh, the children are able to achieve this but when you go down to the ethnic minority areas or the deprived areas, it goes down from 70% to 42%. Mm. So, so you can see there's a big issue there. So, so um, and I'll, I'll just give you a brief of how the, how the, the, the BSA got founded. So I, was, I, I had released the pilot of the film, um, a film called Black Swim, Swim, uh, not officially released. This was back in the back in, last year and i was doing a lot of campaign about 
swimming, trying to encourage people to swim and talking about it and such. And I decided to do a podcast called In the Deep End. And what In, in the Deep End does, it's very similar to what you do, but I was interviewing black people about their swimming stories, a black, a black influential people. Because I noticed that the biggest issue, one of the big, well, no, not the biggest, but one of the issues was role models. So people needed to see or hear people talking about it and people much more influential than myself. So what I was doing, I was, I was interviewing people about their story, about swimming. And swimming is one of those very, very rare things that every single human being out there has a story about and can talk about it. And, and when I say it's rare, it's because it is, because any, you, can, you can pick any random person on the street and ask them about their swimming history. And you'll find that either they can swim or they can't swim. And if they can swim, there's got a story about how they started, what age did they start, what made them get into swimming and such. And if they don't swim, why not? There's always a story. And and I didn't find that out until I um, I, I, I produced a film called Black Can Swim and started the campaign. So basically, the whole idea behind the podcast was to understand people's stories. And I interviewed a number of um, a number of celebrities, a few actors, a few um, swimmers, um, a couple of Olympic swimmers, and such. And one person that I interviewed was a lady by the name of Alice Deering. And Alice Deering is the, the only black swimmer in Team GB. And that shows how much, how, <laughs> how much part of, uh, what do you call it, the black, uh, swimming is part of the black culture. If there's only one person, and she's the, only, she's the second person to have swum for Team GB. So I said, I have to interview this young lady. So I interviewed her. And around, and we've gone very well. And I found out that, I was doing exactly what she was doing. So I was encouraging people from the grassroots, from the community to swim. And she was encouraging people to get into elite swimming. So basically we were doing the same thing, but from different different ends of the scale. So I said to her that well, we should do something together. You know, we're both doing exactly the same thing, but just to do different, different sets of people and things. She goes, yeah. And at that time, she also told me that someone was about to interview her by the name of Seren Jones, who used to be an elite swimmer and but now works for the BBC as a journalist. And she's about to interview her about her about swimming, black women and hair. Because, you know, hair is one of the main reasons why a lot of black women do not get into the water. Right. And so she said, why don't you contact her? So I got in touch with her and we had a chat, but nothing actually happened. So this is right about July last year. When we got to run about October, I get a I get a message from Seren saying, "I've just met this lady by the name of Danielle Obey. She's um, a, an inventor of this waterproof headscarf called the Nemes, which um, it's it's revolutionary and it's great. So basically, I'm meeting up with her. Do you want to come and meet with me? So I said, Yeah, okay, why not? So we went to we went, went down to London, central London, and had a long, 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 long chat. And we found out that we all have something in common. So the main governing body uh, for swimming in the UK is Swim England. 
Swim England had just done an article on me about my journey in the film. Swim England had just endorsed Daniel Obey's swim scarf. Swim England were working with um, Sperren on an article with the BBC. And Swim England had a natural relationship with Alice Deering because obviously she's in Team GB and such. So we said, okay, why don't we go and speak to Swim England and see, because we've heard that, we know there's an issue with swimming. And I know that through sources that they struggle to get black people to swim. And even though they have, they have attempted to um, work with various different organizations, but it's nothing that's actually taken off. So why don't we just speak with them and see what we can do? So we spoke to them and we decided to put together a steering group encouraging black people within the community to swim. And one thing led to another. March this year, we launched the Black Swimming Association. And since then, we've partnered with Swim England, the Royal Life Saving Society, the, um, the Swimming Teachers Association, a lot of all the other um, swimming or governing bodies, as well as our last partnership was with Speedo as a strategic partner. And our aim is not to we don't we're not a swim school or anything like that but where we are in the advocacy we are an organization set out to um address the issues with diversity inclusion participation engagement and representation within aquatics as a as a whole so that's where we are so basically we're a voice there's a lot of people within the black community that don't know the facilities that are available to them so basically what we're doing is we're working with the governing bodies, we're working with all these organizations to tailor make some of these programs so that the black community can understand that you know this is available. If you want to swim, which we, we, we suggest you do because of reasons of you know um, life skill, and, um, it's great for leisure purposes, it's great for health, it's great for mental health and all that kind of thing. We highlight it, so we're talking about it. We're talking, we're speaking to people about it. We're making a noise. We're making a lot of noise about it. And I think I, with my big mouth, I do a lot of that myself. <laughs> so with the, with, with the four of us coming together and talking about it, and you know, it's keeping it's keeping the momentum going. And I think this is the beginning of the end of the issue with a disproportionate amount of black people not swimming. It might not happen in my lifetime, but at least we started the ball rolling. And, 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 and yeah, and here we go. So that's basically what the Black Swimming Association is there set up to, to, to achieve. And finally, Ed, where can people be able to view your extraordinary film? Where, where, where is it available? It's, on, it's, it's available on Amazon. It's available on Amazon, on Amazon Prime. It's available on Vimeo, because I know there's some countries that don't have, don't, don't have access to Amazon. It's available on Vimeo. And it's available on YouTube as well. So you can stream it on YouTube. You can stream it on Vimeo. You can uh, stream it on Amazon Amazon Prime as well. And just as a special, there's going to be an announcement. There's going to be an announcement of a, a new film in, in the new year. So watch this space. Within, 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 the, within the next month or so, we shall make an announcement of a new film. And it's related to this one. And we'll look forward to that new film. But the film we've been speaking about today is entitled Blacks Can't Swim, My Swim yes, Journey. Sir. Produced yes, sir. Yeah. 
written and starring Ed Akira, hip-hop artist, filmmaker, and co-founder of the Black Swimming Association. And it's available on Amazon Prime, Vimmo, and available on streaming at YouTube. Ed Akira, right. we wish you and your family health and safety during this pandemic time. And thank you so much for joining us today on Crossing the Lane Lines. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Crossing the Lane Lines, which is produced by the Black Swim Collective at our studios in San Francisco, California. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you receive your podcast. From all of us here, we thank you so much for your support. And remember, no lives matter until Black Lives Matter. In San Francisco, this is Najee Ali for Crossing the Lane Lines, signing off.